InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Back in April 1999, Columbine High School suffered a terrible tragedy as two men murdered 12 of their fellow students, wounded over 20 others, and then they committed suicide. What, if anything, has changed since that time to make our schools safer? A group called Community Matters has just issued a report card on school violence. And joining us to talk about this is the founder of nonprofit Community Matters, Rick Phillips. There's been billions of dollars put into making schools safer since Columbine. What grade did your report card assign this effort? What we did was review the national data, the statistics, the reports, and the trends over the last decade. We also work with hundreds of schools across the country, so we also interviewed youth and adults. And what we wanted to look at were seven different ways in which schools have addressed safety over these years. And unfortunately, the overall grade was a D-plus for our national efforts to wrap our hands around the problem of bullying and violence. Wow, that's a terrible grade, considering all of the money and effort that has supposedly been put into making schools safer. Where have we fallen down? In the very beginnings, the federal government took a keen interest in this area of violence and school violence and expended a tremendous amount of resources initially so that schools could have the money to invest in security and security personnel and pass policies and laws and really ensure that our schools were safe from outside aggression. And we have accomplished over the 10 years some of those initial goals, meaning we've secured the perimeter, much like the airport, from bad guys getting through, but we failed to change the conditions inside the building, meaning the relationships between the kids that are the place where things get stirred up. Anger turns to hatred, hatred turns to retaliation and revenge, and then becomes school violence. According to the statistics here, there was an increase in the percentage of students who did not go to school because of safety concerns. 28% of 12 to 18-year-old students say they were bullied at school during the last 12 months, and cyberbullying has a 50% increase. So what you're saying is that the student-on-student kind of aggression hasn't really changed. In fact, it's gotten worse. Bullying and all the different ways that bullying looks, you know, from harassments to put-downs to rumors to gossips to pushing and shoving, is occurring at younger ages. It's also getting meaner, and it's becoming more acceptable almost as entertainment as kids become kind of experts in electronic aggression, you know, using social network sites and text messaging and cell phone pictures to bully, harass, humiliate their peers. And this new kind of bullying is very different from what you or I might have grown up with, where we think of a bully as kind of a couple of big bossy kids who take your lunch money or threaten you. Mm -hmm. Today's bully is very different, and it's harder to identify it. So the strategies that were effective in the past are not as effective in the present. And is the violence an outgrowth of the bullying? In other words, it's a retaliation against the bullies? Is that what sometimes can happen? Well, it's hard to get into the heads of all the different shooters that have been involved, but when the Secret Service and the Department of Education has studied that, often they say there are one or two things in terms of not a profile, but some characteristics in kids who retaliate, is that they often don't have adults that they can trust to share this with, so it builds up inside of them, and the pain or the frustration becomes toxic and turns into anger and hatred and then gets played out at school 
and often these are kids who were isolated, didn't have good friendship networks, and were often teased and bullied along the way. So yes, the bullying in all of its more pervasive forms is what translates into the retaliation behavior later on. Our guest on InfoTrack is Rick Phillips. He's the founder of nonprofit Community Matters, and we're talking about the continued school violence. Rick, if you could change some things that were being done or have been done over the years so that we would be in a better place today, what would you have done? One is we have done a good job of decreasing gun violence, homicide violence on our campuses. We've seen not so much a significant decrease, but we haven't seen any increase. But we keep spending most of our dollars on the security, on the personnel, on the equipment of metal detectors. And the reality is is that a metal detector might pick up a gun. It doesn't pick up a kid who brings in another kind of weapon. The weapons of hatred, prejudice, racism, stereotypes, bias. These are the things that we haven't done. So one recommendation is that we would better balance the allocation of funding, not just on security to secure the perimeter, a requirement for sure, but we would put more of our dollars into teaching students how to navigate their differences without violence, how to get along with people who are culturally diverse from you, and the importance of speaking up when you hear or know something that could lead to real trouble. That's one of the things we need to do. The other is that we've spent the last several years focusing so hard on the legislation called No Child Left Behind, which raised the bar for schools to increase the test scores. As a result of that, most schools now spend the majority of their instructional minutes on hardcore curriculum, and that has decreased the opportunity for teachers to teach kids how to get along, how to solve their problems without violence, how to manage their emotions, how to work across cultural competencies and differences. These are skills that are important. They're not soft skills. They're required to create citizens, not just kids who can pass tests. Rick, are we talking in terms of school violence predominantly boys who are doing this or are girls also involved? In the area of gun violence, it is the predominant behavior of males and not females to bring guns to school and use them or other weapons. When we talk about bullying, and bullying means not only, again, shoving or pushing somebody smaller or threatening them, but starting rumors, gossiping, putting people down, making somebody feel unwelcome, we find that it crosses genders. In fact, girls are even more vicious in terms of some girls around what's called relational aggression. You know, that kind of mean girls behavior. If I'm a parent of a school child, what can I do or what can I watch for to perhaps help my child stay safe and steer clear of violence? So I think there's three specific things that a parent can do. One is to communicate with your child. And not that parents don't already, but don't make the assumption when we ask our kids, hi, honey, how was your day at school? And they say, fine. That fine really represents the truth of their experience. As I said, often kids don't want to share because it's embarrassing and they don't want their parents to intervene. Mm -hmm. So parents have to be better at noticing the signs and asking questions that elicit more information from our children. Take time. Notice behaviors of your child. Make eye contact. Sit down and have a glass of milk and a cup of tea after school if you're home. But talk. The second is supervise your children's free time. Don't assume because your son or daughter's on the computer that they're doing their homework. Know where they're going. Know what network sites they're using. 
because there's a lot of this cyber activity that is taking kids into places that are not healthy and can lead to real danger, and we've seen too many examples of that. And thirdly, what parents can do is go to school, get involved, ask the principal, how are we spending the violence prevention dollars that we get? Who makes the decisions for what programs that we bring to our school? In other words, become more knowledgeable as a citizen, as a parent. Go to a school board meeting. We know all this takes time, but if you want to increase the safety of your own child, communicate better, supervise more, and become informed. Now, if I'm a student, what advice? If there are students who pick on you as a student, there's not a lot that you can do to change that. We all tell our kids, you know, either punch them back or walk away or go tell an adult. And sometimes those things can work. But the truth of the matter is the best help students can have is if the school is encouraging the students to stand up for each other and speak up for each other. If the school is investing their resources in teaching children what to say or do when you see somebody say or do something that's mean or hurtful, meaning teaching them to be competent so they can safely intervene. Those behaviors of having the bystanders take action versus the bystanders be passive is probably the most important thing we could do for our kids. But individually, students need to go to a trusted adult. If there's somebody in your school that you really know has your back, go to that trusted adult and tell them what's happening because you need some support. Rick Phillips, a nationally recognized educator, speaker, trainer, and founder of Community Matters, a nonprofit organization, and recently issuing their report card on school violence. Rick, you have a website, which is community-matters.org. Thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. A pleasure to be with you today. Next, think people are driving like maniacs? You're right. We'll have surprising facts and ways to stay safe coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.